0: Hi, welcome back to Eye to Eye, a weekly podcast talk show all about passion, flow, and creativity, where we talk to people about how they turn their dreams into their reality. I'm your host, Aaron Holman, and my guest today is... Denny Patterson. Denny, happy you were able to join us today. Thank you so much, it's a pleasure to be here. Let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to the podcast, Denny. We are popping your podcast cherry. Is that what I'm hearing?
1: That is right. This is my first time on a podcast and I'm
0: super excited for it. Well, I am thrilled that you're here. I know you because uh, you are a celebrity interviewer and contributor to Outfront magazine, as mm-hmm. well as you are a digitalization specialist for Ancestry. Yes. Please tell us what are your preferred pronouns and tell the listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: So um I identify as a gay male, so I go by he, him. Perfect. Um so yeah, about me. Yes, I work for Outfront Magazine, which is Colorado's premier. LGBTQ publication Uh, we are known throughout the state of Colorado but our website outfront.com we have people from all around the country checking in seeing what we are up to what we are writing about Um, in addition to that I am also the lifestyle writer for Outclick magazine which is based in South Florida so I've been with Outfront since 2016 and Outclick since 2017 so kind of back to back when I got hooked on with them Mm -hmm. But as for Ancestry, I have been with the company since 2014, and I'm a digitalization specialist. So what I do with them, um, my project is I scan and digitize historical documents. So we have been working on World War II II draft cards, tombstone applications. But because of the pandemic, we have been working from home right now. Mm -hmm. So Ancestry has actually hooked me up with my own little planetary station where I have LED lights and a camera. And they've been sending me yearbooks. I have been going through yearbooks through the decades and um, digitizing those. So it's been interesting and it's keeping us busy and it's keeping us employed. So I'm very thankful for that.
0: During these uncertain times, uh, the fact that they were able to send you all that stuff for you to be able to continue your work at home. That's wonderful that you have that kind of security. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, where do these yearbooks come from? Is it just random? How do, how do you organize
1: ancestry i really don't know because it says inventory from utah so i don't know (laughs) if they're in a warehouse if they're from some kind of library i don't know where they are getting them but they have been sending me like boxes filled up to the brim like 40 yearbooks at a time of just random yearbooks throughout the years
0: that that sounds crazy and also fascinating as like somebody who loves watching people studying people Mm -hmm. i think that would be a lot of fun
1: It's interesting because the oldest yearbook I've had was like from 1916, 1915. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, these really old yearbooks and the most recent has been in the 90s. So just to see how people have progressed Mm. throughout the decades and the fashion choices, that's always fun to see. And I mean... I I have yearbooks that are are over 100 years old, so wow. just to ha- take a look at these, it's really fascinating. I am a big historical buff, and I love genealogy, and a big perk of my work with Ancestry is that I have free access to the website, so I work on my family tree constantly, and that's always a lot of fun for me. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, she'll get a hold of me every now and then and just be like, look what i found you know exactly and I'm like, yes i have no idea where you found that mom <laughs> <laughs> yes it's so much fun just seeing
1: like who i'm related to like fifth sixth cousins these people who are so obscure to my life, like just being able to be like, oh, I have a connection to to this person in some way. And I've also found out I am related to a couple of celebrities. Hopefully those are accurate because there is a a chance that the information on ancestry is inaccurate because you have a lot of people, a lot of outside sources working on them. So you really have to really dive deeper into um, the work there. I kind of just depend on, what other people are doing. And I just kind of put them into my tree and just kind of see like the little connections here and there. So again, some stuff may be inaccurate, but hopefully fingers crossed it is correct.
0: <laughs> this takes us into a really good spot. Um, one of the main topics about our show here is passion. Well, you're passionate about history. You're passionate about writing. Now mm-hmm. I'm curious, which one of these things came first? Uh, writing. So Believe it or not, I never intended to be a journalism
1: when I was in high, a journalist when I was in high school. I originally wanted to pursue theater and acting. Me too. Uh, that was yeah, that was a big passion line because I am involved with community community theater plays and all that. And I was very big in choir at high school plays, but I needed to fill my English credit my junior year, junior year in high school, and it was a journalism class was an option. So I was like, okay, let's go ahead and try this. See mm-hmm. what I can do. I instantly fell in love with it, just the storytelling and being able to report on facts. And my teacher said I had a really big knack for it, and asked me if I would join the high school newspaper the next semester, which I did. And then, and then senior year, I became editor in chief of the newspaper. So I'm like, okay, this is an option. I could I could go ahead and work with this once I got into college again. Not sure what I really wanted to do. I think I'm doing theater and acting. I went to community college for my first two years, and they had a journalism scholarship. So I'm like, okay, let's go ahead and apply for it, and I got it. Wow! Once I started working with that, um, I learned so much more of the journalism world, and I was like, okay, I'm really enjoying this. So when I finally it was time to transfer to Milliken University in Decatur, Illinois, I had to ask myself. Do I want to still pursue theater like I originally planned, or do I want to go ahead and do English writing? I ultimately decided to do English as my major and theater as a minor because I was thinking, well, hey, maybe I can do like theater reviews, movie reviews, something like that. Just put the best of both worlds, put those together. So once I started doing journalism in, at Milliken, it was a whole new ball game for me. In what way? So I was learning stuff. I didn't learn in community college or in high school. Uh, My advisor kind of, he challenged me because I wanted to do a lot of just editorial stuff like Mm. columns and entertainment, all that. But he challenged me to go ahead and do hard news because he was really pushing me to try hard news. Like, Let's do news and features. Let's see how I could do that. Because there are different sections of journalism that people oh, right. are in. Like you have news, features, entertainment, sports, lifestyle, all that. So it's, each section is very unique in its own way.
0: And kind of probably requires its own skill set.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Because I still get a little shy when I talk with people. And when you're doing news, you have to get multiple sources. So I'm like, eh, I don't really want to talk <laughs> to all these people. But I found out that I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, let's keep going. Let's keep doing this. And so I kept taking the news route. I was only at Milliken for uh, two and a half years. By the time I graduated, I had professors and staff coming up to me t- saying that, they were finding, learning things out from me, from my writing before like people, administration was even knowing things. And that was a big compliment to me because That's like, huge. oh, wow, I'm actually making a difference because by the time my Milliken career ended, we were in like um, presidential changes, um, administration changes, budget cuts. Um, there was a lot of stuff happening with student life. And I had my own column called Brutally Honest, which that was, that was my baby. It was, I just touched on specific topics uh, that was happening throughout uh, student life. So, and my advisor, um, he was, he stood by my side the entire time. And I will forever be grateful to him because he saw something in me and he really wanted me to pursue this. And the one thing he told me that he wanted me to do before I left Millicent was to write at least one sports story because sports is not my forte whatsoever <laughs> like i mean i could barely even throw a football or baseball anything like how how the hell am i going to write something about sports related mm-hmm. so i did i did a story about how the basketball team was doing some community service within the decatur community uh, they were volunteering. Very nice. And that story was actually uh, submitted to the PA, Illinois College Press Association Conference. Anyway, it was it was a big conference for Illinois colleges. Mm-hmm. And um, I won first place for best sports story. And that's not even what you
0: wanted to write about. Nope.
1: Nope. The thing is, I didn't attend that conference because I was already graduated because I graduated in December. So the conference was in February. So I had my friends text me oh my god you won you won for the store and like wait a minute like what excuse me what (laughs) and like yeah my sports story won first place and so i was just like bewildered like oh my god the story i had no intention of doing did not want to do resisted the entire way won an award like
0: that's a All right. That is, that is good on your mentor for seeing it in you, knowing that it was still going to be a good story for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it goes to show what you said, your skills that yeah. you developed, you know, your chops. That's really impressive. I have no belief that I could ever do like a sports podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I
1: know absolutely nothing about sports to this day. Like, it's just nothing I was never into. I mean, I guess just growing up gay, it just... Nothing I was really into. I still have no desire to write any sports story, but...
0: <laughs> but you've won an award for one, so... I did, just a the There one, is something so. there. Yes. Well, let's go into that. Let's talk a little bit more about growing up gay. Where mm-hmm. did you grow up, and what was your life like? So I grew
1: up and still live in Granite City, Illinois. Mm-hmm. That is about 20 minutes um, from downtown St. Louis, So I'm right across the river, so I'm always in Missouri and Illinois. I mean, I work um, my job at Ancestry. I actually cross the river every day to go to a building, the National Archives in St. Louis to work. Wow. So kind of the best of both worlds there as well, Missouri and Illinois. But Granite City, it's um, it's a bigger city, um, not one of those small Illinois towns that you think like in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Growing up, I had a great, great childhood. Uh, my parents, they have always been there for me, one hundred percent. They've never turned their back on me. And I actually came out when I was fourteen years old, because mm-hmm. I oh. went to a yeah I went to a Catholic school from kindergarten to eighth grade. So I started to realize that I had feelings for boys, like sixth, seventh grade, but. Catholic school I wasn't going to say anything then I was terrified it was finally I it was after I graduated eighth grade that summer and like this is really bothering me and eating me up Mm -hmm. and so I talked to my two best girlfriends and I said I think I may be bi I, I went the bi route at first I did too I still wasn't sure so I talked to my girlfriends and they're like, I think you should, they think I should tell my parents. So I went to my mom and I said, Hey, I need to talk with you. And she's like, okay, what is it? And I said, I think I like boys. And her response was, Oh, I know. So <laughs> she she knew from She told me when I was born, when I was just, like, two, three years old, she knew there was something special about me, that I was different. Mm -hmm. And, like, other family members have told me as well, like, they knew when I was, like, a toddler that I was going to be gay. Like, well... My
0: family's always told me, I mean, there was at least a smattering of times that my sister dressed me up in, you know, clothes, Mm -hmm. in women's Mm -hmm. clothes. And I (laughs) uh, surely was running around not wanting to take that off at, like, five, six years old yeah yeah so I can totally relate to that uh always been a little different (laughs) yeah I really loved wearing my grandma's jewelry and wearing her
1: like high heels I was the heels yeah it was it's always the heels for young gay men it's always the heels and that hilarious (laughs) yes
0: well as a fan of musical theater uh you know the sex is in the heel (laughs) Mm, yeah definitely
1: totally agree so yeah, I told my mom, she's like, oh, I know. And so we talked about it. And she said that she, she'll love me and support me no matter what. So she has always 100% been by my side. So she was like, okay, so do you want to tell your dad? I'm like, okay, yeah, I think I should tell my dad. Being the only son, that's a lot of pressure on me. I'm his only son. Yeah. So I told him and of course, he had a little bit too much to drink that night. So he wasn't really 100% there. <laughs> uh, so, but I told him, so I don't think he was really comprehending what I was saying. He was just like, oh, okay. Okay. So it wasn't until the next morning he came to me. and said, did you, did you say what I think you said? And I said, yes, I think I am by." And he, and he said that, Okay, well, that's how you feel. Nothing's going to ever change. I will always love you no matter what. And he gave mm-hmm. me a big hug. And, and I, I am very, very grateful for that because I know there are a lot of LGBTQ out there whose fathers will instantly turn on their backs. And I grew up in a very Catholic family, because my dad's side is full of staunch Catholics. I mean, I have an aunt who is a nun, for for God's sake. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So yes, we come from a very religious background. He was 100% supportive of me, and I was very grateful for that. So by the time I got into freshman year of high school, I'd say maybe October, November, I'm like, okay, I'm dropping the buy card. I'm gay. I am 100% gay, because I started really... I guess, tune into my feelings. Mm-hmm. So this was also a great learning experience for my parents as well, because a couple of years later, I actually got them to go to Pride with me.
0: Yeah. Well, where, where Pride and what was the experience? St.
1: Louis Pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, St. Louis Pride. Big one. Um, yeah, a very big one. We have like, I think, the second largest Pride parade in the country. But I know St. Louis is very well known for its Pride. But yeah, that was in 2009 and I was seeing this guy at the time and uh, we were going to go to pride and we asked my parents, well, do you want to come and experience? And my dad had the best of times. He was so happy. My mom loved it, And it's such a great learning experience because he understands that this is who people are. If people want to love who they want to love, there shouldn't be a problem. He's today, today he's, he's still like, why do people have such a big issue with this? I mean, why does it matter? Why is it any of their business? Right. Mm -hmm. I absolutely
0: agree. I always say it in the way that it's like, unless I'm trying to sleep directly with you, which Mm -hmm. you will know if my focus (laughs) is that on you. Yeah. Then it really shouldn't matter to you what my preferences are. Exactly. of Who I'm romantically involved with
1: mm-hmm so yeah my parents have been the pride twice now so and they, they've had a great time both times
0: that is such a wonderful wonderful thing um, and yeah you're right and it's not something that uh, every LGBT person gets to have even my family who you know the way that you were describing how they responded that nothing's mm-hmm. gonna change love you anyways there's support here even if there's a lack of understanding uh, in the beginning I, like, I've never been able to go to Pride with my mother. And that's just, she probably just doesn't have that much of an interest herself.
1: Yeah. In... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe one day, maybe one day she'll be, maybe a little curious and will wanna, want to go.
0: Well, something that, that I do feel was quite a blessing. I, I've moved around a lot, been quite nomadic in my life. And mm-hmm. where I'm living right now is Eastern Washington. It is where my mother uh, has come back to and lives. Mm-hmm. About a year ago, uh, I started a evening here in town and it was called a Gamer and Allies Night, G-A-Y-M-E-R, okay. Gamer mm-hmm. and Allies Night. And it was just a drag show and trivia night. And then we would rotate through different things as well. But I mean, mm-hmm. that went from like a once monthly event to eventually becoming weekly. Uh, which wow. for the town that I live in, it is very rural, you know, mm-hmm. it is a small town uh, to the point where there's not a gay spot there's not a gay club really there's yeah oh. there's no gay bar which I've moved around a lot and I guess I have just been fortunate enough that almost everywhere I've lived for an extended period of time does have a, a space like that mm-hmm. uh, had to create one here uh, and I did that with a bar here in town uh, called gay and grog um, mm-hmm. they they just um they opened their arms let me create an event, and it went very successfully. Unfortunately, now with the COVID, you know, everything yeah, has yeah. just paused. <laughs> shut down, yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's amazing, though. Yes, thank you, um, and my mother has many times attended that event, you know, Good. so it's like, no, I'm not getting into a Pride, but um, she's proud of her son, and she shows up, and you know, I could have never imagined when I was a closeted little, you know, nine-year-old boy that my mother would, I mean, I don't know, would ever just be so welcoming about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. But it's like, of course she is. Yes. I mean, any guy I have dated, my parents have been super protective of me, Mm. a little too protective of (laughs) me at times. (laughs) There have been guys that I know my parents absolutely do not like. But now I am married to a wonderful guy, and I've been with him. It, it, will, be, it will be six years in March since we've it's been together. Long time. Yes, his name is Mario, and we actually just got married this past November, so we will be celebrating our one-year anniversary of marriage in November.
0: Wow, congratulations. Thank you. So where, um, where did, how did Mario come into your life?
1: Uh, we actually met on Tinder yeah. so, so that some good stories come out of those kind of dating sites dating, dating apps <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes now how
1: long have you been with your partner
0: um about a year and a half about a year and a half now
1: cool mm-hmm. cool yeah so we uh, mario and i we were talking on tinder and we just kind of just here and there we're just messaging each other and i went to colorado because i have uh, one of my best friends lives out in denver so while I was out there, I was like, okay, you know what? When I come back, let's finally meet up. Let's go get coffee, whatnot, and just see how it goes. What we envisioned to be, um, on both of our parts, we envisioned maybe an hour or two-hour date. It turned into like a seven-hour long date. Yes. After Starbucks, we went to dinner. We went to a bookstore. I got dessert. And it was a magical day for both of us. And it's just, we were just like, do you want to see each other again? Like, yes, let's let's continue this. Yeah. So I am very fortunate for that day. And that will always be one of my, there are no words to describe it. Because mm-hmm. I at that time, I was like, I didn't know I was going to meet my future husband at that moment. And it turns out that he actually went to high school with some people I used to work with. So there was kind of that connection as well. And he is Guatemalan, and he takes a lot of pride in his culture, but he, uh, he was adopted. Um, I met his family, and his family were was very, very welcoming of me um, the first day I met them. So, wow. yeah, they welcomed, welcomed me with open arms. So we've been living together until, until up to um, last November when we finally got married because we talked about getting married like a couple years ago, but we just never really went for, forward with it. Mm-hmm. Then he came up, he kind of pushed me. I was like, okay, I finally want to do this. And we, we had a courthouse ceremony. We had a court I did it at the courthouse. Which That's was how very- I
0: think I would... If I were to ever go down that path, that is you know what I'd wanna do. I don't need the huge
1: expense.
0: And that's the thing.
1: I wanted that. I was very I was very resistant of doing a courthouse wedding because it was not what I envisioned. Mm. But I had to compromise and just tell myself, Okay, you know what? Why doesn't matter it shouldn't matter if we're having like a big ceremony. We're the main thing is we're getting married. We there are signing is. that certificate. Yes, and it was my parents, his dad and his sister, his aunt and grandparents, and my sister and her uh, fiance. So yeah, it, we had the immediate family there, and then we had a big uh, dinner celebration afterwards as our little reception. It, it, that was a magical day as well.
0: Well, congratulations to both Thank of you. you. It warms my heart to hear something like that. You know um, that you really can, huh, you can find someone to be with. Like mm-hmm. again, my eight, nine-year-old self could have never <laughs> imagined. But then again, I grew yeah. up in like uh, Louisiana. And so like, talk about a whole <laughs> different world and opinion about gay people. Mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. Going back to uh, your passion for um, theater. That was something you'd mentioned about growing yes. up. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I did as well. I think that it's just a wonderful place for, well, it's not just gay people, but like, it's a wonderful place for gay people to be able to be free, to explore. Express themselves. Yeah, express yeah. themselves because you're acting, right? Yes. And so yes. it's like, whatever. I think it's a natural draw. Mm-hmm. When was the first time you did theater? So the
1: first time I did theater was back in 2002. Um, My grandma actually saw an ad saying that um, a community theater in town was looking for uh, choir kids Mm -hmm. uh, to be in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I
0: love that show. (laughs)
1: Absolutely, absolutely wonderful. So um, I went ahead and auditioned for that. And that's where um, I met uh, the director, who is still one of my very good friends these days. And we've done other shows together now. But it was just so much fun, like. And at that time, um, I was actually playing volleyball for <laughs> my Catholic school. Well, uh, the same director he was uh, directing *Hell Dolly* for the winter, so he, love that piece. Yeah, so he asked me if I wanted to do uh, get a role in that. So I had to pretty much choose between theater and volleyball, and like, okay, sports goodbye, going for theater. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, so uh, went he and did that. And then that's how my mom got involved in shows uh, as well because um, the director kind of pulled her in and gave her a small part because she was in Hello, Dolly! years ago when she was in high school. Oh, so this kind of came became like a bonding thing for my mom and I. We we have done a lot of shows together with our community theater.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah.
1: yeah, so it's been a good time. So after Hello, Dolly! I've been in shows like... Um, Annie I was I was in that a couple of times um, how I many times is that the show you've done the most yes three times I've been in Annie three times that's a lot <laughs> yes uh twice for the same community theater and then um freshman year of high school
0: I think the only show that I've ever repeated and it's interesting because uh the first time I did it was my freshman year of high school mm. um Jekyll and Hyde. I've been in Jekyll and Hyde. Twice. I've been in
1: that show too.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I've been in that show.
0: Oh, I'm a big fan of that one. I know you are too, but we're going to get to some of that later. Uh, I was doing a little bit of research and I oh saw God. that you were in the Laramie project. I yes. would love to hear about the experience. Because that's a show I I've not even been able to see performed. Like it's so sporadically done.
1: Yeah. So out of every theater experience I have had, I will hold that one the closest to my heart. And it, words cannot cannot describe the experience.
0: For our listeners, uh, go ahead and give a little bit of a description about what the Laramie Project is. Because for those who don't know, it's a very important piece. Yeah so the Laramie
1: project it is based on a couple of journalists and this is a true story a couple of journalists who went to Laramie Wyoming and kind of did some investigation into the Matthew Shepard murder yeah. and for those who don't know who Matthew Shepard is he was a 21 year old college student who was kidnapped tied to a fence in Laramie <sighs> pistol whipped and and eventually he died from his injuries. Oh. So it it was a gay bashing, and this is one of the incidents that really brought in like a lot of the um oh what's the word I'm looking for kind of the legislation that we know today for hate crime bills. Matthew Shepard he paved the way for a lot of the hate crime legislation we have today because his parents Dennis and Judy they will not stop. They have not stopped uh, working in his honor to bring the hate crime legislation uh, to Congress. And I know president Bill Clinton, he was involved with this and yeah, it, it's a horrific story because is. this is, this is one of the murders that made like national yeah. international news. Yeah. So yeah,
0: I remember it when it happened and you know, I was a child.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: you know uh it was just so violent that's what it was you know yeah. it was just so violent
1: mm-hmm. yeah because these journalists who are were involved with the learning project um they went to the trials of the murderers um
0: era mckinney and um i mean one they aren't so. people worth remembering
1: that's <laughs> you true know? yeah uh
0: they are not the ones that we need to be remembering but yeah. I yes but yeah, they went to the trials of the murderers
1: and they were trying to just like bring the story to life, and it, it's just a remarkable show. And yeah, like I said, words cannot describe the experience I was it, it was to be involved with that play. The director of Joseph, him and I did that show together. He's the one who saw the auditions and was like, Hey, let's go in and audition for the show together. I'm like, okay, cool, let's do it. And I didn't think that I was going to get a part and nope, they cast me. They cast me and my friends. So I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do this. I think the best part of being involved with the Laramie Project is that the Matthew Shepherd Foundation is based in Denver. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm doing a show right now. This and we did a show on the twentieth anniversary of Matthew's death. Wow. Yeah, we did it in October twenty eighteen and that was t- 20 years later uh, so I was like I wonder if by chance I could do a story with the Matthew Shepard Foundation and I did I got the, the appropriate contacts and I interviewed the um, director of the foundation which oh led me to my then gosh. interviewing Dennis and Judy, Judy Shepard I got to interview them
0: oh my lord wow what a full yeah. circle moment
1: it was uh, talking with Dennis and Judy That will forever be one of my favorite interviews because I got to learn so much about their work and who Matthew really was as a person. Because I know that they, Judy and Dennis, they were out of town. They, they weren't even in the country when this happened. They were overseas. So when they, yeah, when they got word that Matthew was in the hospital, they thought it was maybe like a car car accident, some kind of major accident, But once they got back into the country, then they started to learn the details that he was, he was attacked. And, and I got to hear their point of view of the trial of, about them being at the trial and all that. Because Dennis, he, as he said, and this was his quote, was that he wanted to see the bastards fry. Yeah. He, he wanted the death penalty for both (laughs) murderers. And Judy didn't want that she wanted both of them to be put in jail for life. So they have the ability to think about what they did. Now, if, if they have any remorse, we will, we won't know that, but they have to live every day for the rest of their lives, knowing that they are in jail without the possibility of parole because of something they, they Mm -hmm. took, they took the life of someone very important. I mean, he, he, I mean, he was a, he was a brother, a yeah. son, a friend, a student. I mean, he did not deserve this. I mean, they legit kidnapped him and took him out into a rural field and tied him to a fence post and beat the shit out of him.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, they pistol whipped him and he wasn't found for like 12 hours later until a biker was going through that trail. And he thought it was a scarecrow until he... Um, went up closer and was like oh my god this is a human being how
0: terrifying honestly yeah uh on that one i do definitely i think i side with judy because uh it would seem like it's if it were the death penalty that'd be too easy
1: it would be yeah
0: you know like they and they do not deserve easy they
1: don't no no so yeah just just being able to talk with Judy and Dennis, it was it was just, like, so
0: powerful.
1: It was surreal. It was powerful. Like, yeah. So being involved with the um, with the Laramie Project, it really gave me a connection with Matthew Shepard. And we wish that this did not happen. But if this didn't happen, we may not have the Hate crime prevention bills that we have today. And Judy and Dennis will forever be working with the Matthew Shepard Foundation to ensure that this does not happen again. Because unfortunately, in this country, we still have that fear and we still have that possibility of being killed because of who we are. And there is no law against it, it's a state by state basis.
0: Terrifying, honestly. It is. It is. <laughs> having to go to those dark places yeah, in theater in that mm-hmm. place is scary, but it is also, it can be very rewarding.
1: It can be. Yes. I totally agree. Yeah. And other shows I've done being, I've been in Seussical, Into the Woods.
0: Oh. Oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Those, those are, those are such good shows. because uh, I haven't been doing theater too much nowadays just because of my schedule. And mm-hmm. I would like to get back into a little bit more. Um, but yeah, my director friend, his name is Mark. Uh, Mark Lowell. So yeah, um, he's always texting me like, Hey, you want to go try out for this show with me, blah, blah, blah. Before the pandemic, we were actually going to try out for a Shrek the musical. But yeah, but both of us came down a little sick at the time of auditions. But now I'm glad we didn't audition because it would have been canceled. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so that would
0: have been depressing in and of itself
1: it would have been yes but yeah i played the steward in my most recent version of into the woods and um st louis has its own uh theater awards it's connected kind of like tony awards for st louis theater community nice. theater yeah and into the woods we won uh best musical for that for overall production so that was it was very very rewarding thank you it's very rewarding to be a part of that cast i had so much fun Mm-hmm. i I like being in roles roles where it's I could be fun silly goofy, really kind of outside my box because um when I was in Ci uh, school, I was the general so i i was I was like yelling at the kids and that was like so much fun fun to me because I like fun and kooky characters but also those kind of um more sinister characters i don't know I, just, I guess I just have kind of a passion I don't want to say for like evil or bad guys
0: but Sometimes have I you ever more done fun. have you ever done the show Oliver? No. You know, I could see you maybe in a couple of more years, you know, but I could see you playing uh Fagan, which really? is like, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Like it's a it's a fun character part. Um, yeah. He He's a little over-the-top, eccentric, you know, mm-hmm. old man thief. But he does have that sinister edge. You know, he he beats Nancy and all those yeah. things together. Uh, very controlling. But, like, I bet I could see you do it.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. i to, i have to see if that show is, like, playing anywhere. I would love to audition for that. I mean, yeah, the bad guys just have more fun at times. <laughs> They yeah. really do. And <laughs> they don't have to they don't have to do all the
0: chorus numbers. Exactly. I love doing roles where I do not have to be in the chorus numbers. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, another show that I've done twice. Um I did it in my senior year of high school and I played mm-hmm. uh, it was Beauty and the Beast. And um Wait, my, show? <laughs> I love that one. Um mm-hmm. it's just so magical and it translates very well to the stage. It does, yes. You know, it doesn't lose anything. Mm-hmm. In my senior year of high school, I played Gaston, which, I don't know, like, it's it, it's not very <laughs> believable. You know, like, we, we got me some padding. We got me, like, a big Elvis updo wig. Yes. You know, it was over the top. I remember drawing on hair, you know? Like, <laughs> it was just, um, it was a lot of fun, though. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and playing that villain, it is It is a blast and a half mm-hmm.
1: yes <laughs> one a role i would love to play i would love to be mama in hairspray oh, Edna Turnblad. you would kill it my my husband mario he's always saying you should you should play this role you should play this role and edna is a role i i think i would just have so much fun in because i've never done any type of drag before Surprisingly. life no? Nope, I have never done any type of drag. I feel like it's almost a rite of passage for gay men. I think so. I mean, I just don't I just don't think I the thing is when I'm doing in theater, sometimes I really do get inside my head. And it's just a bad habit of mine. I I think overthink it and when I overthink things I flub it up. Mm-hmm. And I have this constant fear of doing that. So sometimes when I'm in my head, it just doesn't translate well to the stage. Like like I was telling you, like if I'm talking too fast, I always have that fear in my mind and because I'm thinking it so much, it happens. Mm. So it, it's, the, it's the little demons inside my brain who wants me to screw up when I'm like, no, I can't do this. I can't overthink it. Mm.
0: I hate overthinking because by the mm. nature of overthinking, it's like, I can't solve it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Know? It's exactly. like a just trusting, resting, knowing. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead. You were mentioning some interviews that you've done yes. before. Now, you are a celebrity interviewer for Outfront. <laughs> I'm going to go through some of the ones that I was blown away by. Please do, yes. Like, what in the heck? And then I would, of course, love to hear from you. Uh, yes. You have interviewed the likes of Linda Etter, Margaret Cho, Bruce Valanche, John Waters, Daniel Francesi, <laughs> Melissa Etheridge. And our most recent, current reigning, uh, Miss Jada Essence Hall. Yes. What in the world is (laughs) it like doing that and talking to these people? These are some historic people. John Waters. Unbelievable.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Well, doing it is terrifying in its own right. (laughs) But is also absolutely amazing. So went out front. Um, I been. I was doing some more celebrity interviews, and I was like, this is what I really want to do with um, magazines. I want to be a celebrity interviewer. I want to talk with these famous people and have them tell their stories, um, share their work, their passions, all that. So it was last year when I finally told myself, you know, I have an IMDb account. Why not utilize it? And on IMDb, that's how I get all of my contacts because all these celebrities have their publicists, their agents, the managers, all their contact info. So I'm like, okay, there'll be like days for hours, I'm just like contacting all of these PR people, and be like, hey, I work for this magazine. We would love to do an interview with this person. A good majority of them say, no, they can't do it right now, but I've had my fair share of wins. Like the people you mentioned, like um, the most recent one that just came out on this past Wednesday, Titus Burgess from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt.
0: A huge fan. Yes. I was so surprised when I read that one to hear that he credits Tina Fey for saving his career. Yes, yes. I had no perception that like, he was so close to giving up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was going to go teach at a college. Theater, Unbelievable. Theater at a college. And yeah, because he was in 30 Rock and he started becoming well-known then. And then he finally got the outline of Kimmy Schmidt and he was like, oh my God, this is me. This is pretty much the essence of me. So yeah, we talked about that and he's going to be in that new um, biopic, um, Respect, the Aretha Franklin movie.
0: Yes. Wait,
1: it looks Me fanatic. either. It does. So yeah, just talking with these people, and I'm now to a point where I have been getting PR people reaching out personally, reaching out to me, being like, "Hey, will you interview me?" Or, "Hey, will you interview my client?" Like, okay, I'm kind of building my status here because people are knowing that I am a celebrity interviewer, and now, and my editor, she finally put me on the um, masthead as the celebrity interviewer. So, yeah, that was a big win for me. But that's huge. Uh, talking with all these people, it's just so much fun. I mean, John Waters, I, for real, I never thought I would get
0: in touch with John Waters. A literal legend.
1: Yes. I mean, he was going to be the comedic headliner for the uh, Club Skirts Dine Ashore weekend in April, but unfortunately that had to be rescheduled due to COVID. But um, Outfront was doing some promotion for that, and we got in touch with the right person and be like, hey, can we interview John Waters? And I'm like, like, mm. uh, hell yes, I will talk to John Waters. And so, yeah, we just talked about uh, the Dinah and being the comic relief and, like, what he looks forward to, like, partying with, like, all these lesbians and... <laughs> Because um, with some celebrities, I have specific talking points that I um, should need to touch on. There are some things that they, um, the PR people tell me, like, they're not going to want to talk about this, this, and this. Like, so it kind of limits me on what I want to really talk about. So that could be a little frustrating. But I, I do respect the celebrity and the PR people and be like, okay, if you don't want to touch on this, 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 I won't bring it up. But I'll stick to the... To the notes that I was given. But yeah, we still, we still make a work. And I still get their, get their story and get to really feel their passion and what they're talking
0: about. I think let's go ahead and take just a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome to All Gay Long i'm shannon and i'm nikki and this is a podcast all about open and honest conversations all day long all day long yeah so we're going to have chats about our lives all things lgbtq
1: and giving our often unwanted opinion (laughs) on what's happening in the world right now follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and follow us to stay up to date on our weekly episodes
0: We are all gay long and we really hope you join us on this journey and we will see you all soon. Bye.
1: Some of my favorite interviews are the ones where I'm talking with them and it doesn't even feel like it's an interview. We're just like, we're just talking like we're just having coffee somewhere. We're just talking. Mm-hmm. like i did interview uh, something you're gonna I need to be on the lookout for is that i interviewed randy finoli from say yes to dress
0: yes
1: so that would be published and i think we're looking at our one of our october issues so that interview lasted like 35 minutes and the publicist was like, "Uh, so we kind of need to wrap this up. We are a little bit over time. He has another interview and Randy's like, oh, I'm so sorry, we're just having such a great time.
0: Navigating those constraints whenever they're there is always Mm -hmm. a little tricky and fun thing. Mm -hmm. I know for myself uh, in doing this podcast, yeah, I think I spend more of my time just in emails than Mm -hmm. anything else, but it finally does pay off and you get to have some really fun interactions. Well, I think
1: I would just like to say that I just hope to really. Oh, what's the words I'm looking for? I just really want to build my platform. I really want to build my platform more, and I want to get more high profile celebrities. Because of all the people you mentioned, like all the drag race girls and like uh, Tim Gunn, Melissa Etheridge, um, I mean, yeah, I just really want to build my platform more on that because this is my passion, and I just want to, I really just want to talk to as many celebrities as possible, and hopefully sometime in the future I will move more into a more permanent
0: position within media and celebrity entertainment. Mm -hmm. That's what I would like to do, ultimately. All right, so we're going to move into our final section of things, a little section I like to call Passions Lately. (laughs) Oh, okay. So it's super simple, Denny. What are you passionate about lately? What's doing it for you lately? Is there anything?
1: Politics. Yes, ma'am. Go into it. Tell us. Okay. So um, besides being a writer, a journalist, celebrity interviewer, um, I am also kind of a local, um, I am involved with local politics here on Granite City. I am on the Granite City Democratic Precinct Committee, uh, committee, um, I'm a grand city precinct committee person for my district. Um, I am involved with the Madison County young Democrats. Um, nice. I may be running for a political position in April because I did run for school board, um, back in 20, uh, back last year. Now they also do have an open position. So I did put my name into running for that. I love so it. So I, I have always been involved in politics. Um, this year, I mean, as you can see from my Facebook posts, I, mm-hmm. I cannot, the words cannot describe, like, how important this election is. The thing, the thing is that this is a very important election because look at the state of, state of affairs right now. I know, unbelievable. How can anyone be okay with what's going on in this country? We are in the middle of a pandemic. We are in the middle of a race, basically a race war.
0: Yeah. Civil there are unrest. So m-
1: civil unrest. There is so much um, racial injustice, so much hatred. And the top priority of our president right now is trying to shut down an app TikTok. TikTok. Are you fucking kidding me yeah out of everything that's going on right now how about human
0: rights
1: (laughs) yeah no that's not important no like anything this man does is to a point where it's like it's not surprising anymore you think he can't get any more stupid Mm -hmm. but he will surprise you this I mean I'm sorry I know this is a strong one but I I hate this man. I do too
0: that's fine. You can say that here. <laughs> it, it is, I try so... not to say his name in association with the office too much. I, I do yeah. typically refer to him I as 45. Will, I will never um, say Mr. President
1: or call him President Trump. No.
0: I have said it out of my mouth a handful of times. And, no. you know, it's not my preferred thing.
1: <laughs> no, no. He, he, he's just Trump. He is just Trump to me. Like, you, you do not have the respect of me to call you President Trump.
0: It honestly when, breaks my heart at uh, what he has now done to the office itself. Because, yeah, it's, you know, the repercussions, yeah, it's tarnished. It is no longer going to be the same thing. And he's trying very hard to not ever even give it up. He's yeah. trying. And, I mean,
1: and with the Democrats right now, I know Biden is our choice. He was not my first choice. But I'm still gonna support him no matter what because he's we a lesser of two—he's a lesser of two evils. If we have four more years of Trump, I can almost guarantee there will be some kind of civil war in this country because oh, yeah. we are—we are too divided as it is already. And if we have four more years of him, and it is blatantly obvious he doesn't give a shit about anyone except his his own friends, uh, the one percent. Yeah it is blatantly obvious but no people it's it's a cult he's people are not going to see past that they are going to do whatever it takes to get him reelected and they're going to believe his lies and his bullshit and like i don't know what more can be done i mean you look at all these other countries who have been affected by the covid-19 pandemic they're reopening yeah. They don't need social distancing. They don't need the mask because they understand what they need to do to get past this. But we have people in an administration here in this country who believe it's a hoax. Like it's a democratic hoax. Well, geez, all these countries they're they really they're really good sports for pitching in for this joke. Right. Yeah. I mean, and you and you want to bitch and bitch and say that wearing a mask infringes on your constitutional rights. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. No, you're just being a selfish little brat. Yeah. I mean, I get, get over it. Yeah. Like, are you are you really that self-entitled? I mean, you're really going to have the audacity to bitch out some uh, customer service employee because they're asking you to wear a mask. It's a fucking piece
0: of cloth. Put it over yeah. your
1: face. <laughs> I just,
0: absolutely agree and those things that have been going around where it's like i'm passing out from wearing a mask or whatever mm-hmm. i'm like excuse me it's literally a thing that there are jobs where people are absolutely wearing masks 100 exactly of the time. exactly
1: so no you are just being a whiny ass baby who thinks who like oh it's just so aggravating to mm-hmm. think that we have people in this country <sighs> the fact that we have a president who has done absolutely nothing to try to curb this and that they that he's going after governors who are enforcing these mandates. But we have citizens who want to keep fighting it, fighting it like, oh, it's it's a free country. I can do what I want. Yeah, this may be a free country, but there's still consequences to what you do. Like, yeah, we're in a free country, but can you murder someone? No. No. Oh. So it's really yeah. We this is a free country, but there are still laws to abide by. Even though these mask mandates are not laws,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you should still follow them. You yeah. should still. It's still just
0: like I said where I live it is still modified phase one and yeah. you know I went to the store yesterday and I mean at least four or five people and I'm talking I'm talking the corner store and mm-hmm. at yeah. least four or five people in there not wearing masks including yeah. both of the workers and I'm mm-hmm. like so what's the point what's yeah what's the point the point
1: And what sucks is that because I'm in the, I'm like in the river, like we have Illinois here Missouri here, Illinois governor, uh, governor Pritzker wants to like close everything down again. He wants, he has, he has really led, led the charge of making sure uh, that we are, that we are safe and a lot of people are resisting him and a lot of people do not like him for this but he is doing so much to try to ensure that we curb this and people keep saying oh it's just chicago it's all about chicago like, no it's not chicago because you have st louis yeah people from illinois going into st louis which is in missouri and missouri's governor governor parsons is a fucking dumbass mm. and wants to reopen everything and he even said like yeah your kids are going to get COVID, but they're just going to go home and get over it. Like, like the yeah. the hubris of that is just yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have Illinois people going into St. Louis, which is like a lot of people are infected and they're coming back in Illinois. So yeah, Southern Illinois is starting to get worse again. It's starting to huh. be get, um, a, a spike in cases. That's so, so
0: yeah. So. It's so our call to action about this, ladies and gentlemen, is make sure you need to confirm your voter registration status ASAP. Um, mm-hmm. It is USA.gov. Uh, the ballots are happening. I know I just sent my ballot in just a couple days ago. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to do this this year and every yes. year that you yes. have the opportunity to. Um, it is It is a human rights issue at this point. It is.
1: And also take a look at your local elections, because Mm -hmm. we're not just going to, it's not just the uh, national uh, government. It is your local government. Your local government is what's going to be the bigger, it's going to make a bigger impact. So with my uh, position with the Madison County Young Democrats, we are really trying to help our local politicians get get their literature out, get their word out, get like really show people that these people want to help you. We need to get our current people out of office because they are doing nothing. They can't even tell you
0: why they're in that position. The, uh, and that is unnerving. Yes. All right. Uh, it is a crazy place to leave things off, but <laughs> we are going to wrap things up. Do you, um, can you go ahead and let the listeners know uh, your social media, if there's anything to promote, or how people can follow your work?
1: Yes. So I'm on Facebook at Denny Patterson. Um, Usually my uh, profile picture is with me in these huge ass Prada sunglasses. (laughs) So that's one good way to find out where I'm at. Um, I am on Instagram at Denny, D-E-N-N-Y, P777 as my Instagram handle. Uh, I don't really do Twitter. Twitter's not really my forte. I know.
0: I like, I have a Twitter and you know what? Things get posted there, but it's, I'm not checking it.
1: <laughs> yeah, i not, yeah, I, I don't really like check on Twitter. So, Facebook and Instagram are the best ways to follow me. Um, and please follow my work at out, outfrontmagazine.com.
0: Yes, the interview with Titus Burgess just came out and it was, uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful read.
1: Thank you. And then um, we have Outclick, Outclick.com, and as the South Florida publication so yeah um, I write a lot more for Outfront at this point because um, with Outclick that's more of local entertainment and a lot of stuff has been cancelled or postponed so that's really a lot of my forte with them but yeah outfrontmagazine.com um, I usually have a couple stories up there every week so yeah go and follow my work I am the official celebrity interviewer on
0: Out- at Outfront killing it <laughs> um, alright and we have now our final question for the pod What is the most recent thing that has happened to you that has made you purely happy?
1: The most recent thing that's happened that has made me purely happy. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, waking up this morning, that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Waking up, I'm always happy to wake up. Well, actually, I take that back. No, I, I'm a real grump when I wake up until <laughs> I get my coffee. Uh, one thing that really made me purely happy, uh, what? Well, yesterday, yesterday we went over to my um, the Mario's sister. We went to her apartment and just to hang out and have dinner and catch up. And a couple of his cousins came over as well, so it was kind of like a cousin hangout.
0: Nice.
1: So yeah, whenever we whenever we get a chance to get together, and still we're trying to stay a little bit social 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 distance from yeah. each other, but. Whenever we get a chance to catch up, that's always nice Uh, family time. Family is very important to me. I'm going to be honest, I'm a lot closer to his family than I am with my own family. My family's really uh, spread out and scattered throughout the country, whereas uh, the majority of his is in St. Louis. So yeah, so that's one thing that's really made me happy.
0: I think that is a lovely place to wrap things up, Denny. Thank you so much for joining me on Eye to Eye today. Thank you. Uh, You're very welcome. Thank you, listeners, for being here with us. Now go outside. We'll be here and gayer when you get back. (laughs) This episode of Eye to Eye was edited by Dylan Newman and the theme song written and performed by Emily Easley. Make sure to rate and subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy podcasts today.